Christian Togetherness is the title for this message. It'll be a two-part message. And we begin by saying that spiritual unity in a local assembly such as this one is not only nice, but it's absolutely necessary for that assembly to be in the will of God. And yet, sometimes the sad truth is that brothers and sisters in any church don't get along with each other as they should. You would think that those who can walk together in hope and holiness would also be able to walk together in harmony. But often, Christians in churches do not walk together in harmony. These are some actual disputes within churches. Thank God, none of these from our church. But just consider the silly things that believers can fail to agree upon that can cause a lack of Christian togetherness in the churches within which these believers worship and serve. The outcome of a three-hour business meeting was that the church would, in fact, buy a vacuum cleaner. A separate motion carried, however, that only certain persons would be allowed to use it because it was new. Or the church that found the replacement of pew cushions a big deal. The argument was over the amount of padding these cushions should have and their color. Or the church that had members in great disagreement about where the pastor should stand after the service let out. Or or argument over whether or not communion grape juice has to be pure and that is not from concentrate. There was a 45-minute church fight over whether the dinner rolls for the sandwiches for the upcoming church supper should be cut horizontally or vertically. Or one-third of the seniors of a particular church quitting the church. Why? Over a lack of restrooms in the senior citizens area of the church building. Disagreement on whether or not the church should buy donuts each week. We could get a show of hands for that, no. Uh, And then when they decided the church would, in fact, buy donuts each week, the fight then became uh, how many donuts should be purchased each Sunday. This is a good one. So it's bad, so it's actually amazing. A church was remodeling its facility, and recessed lights were being planned. And one believer actually argued against the recessed lights by citing the scripture about not hiding our lights under a bushel. (laughs) And then, sadly to say, one local church fought over which which picture of the Lord Jesus to put up in the church foyer. When you think about all that, one or two things should come into our minds, I think. Number one, the baby-fledging church in the book of Acts, didn't fuss over any of those things. And more currently and contemporarily, the persecuted church of Jesus Christ, our brothers and sisters who form the church that is persecuted in China, in the Middle East and other places, they are not squabbling over these kinds of matters either. And so at the beginning of this message on Christian togetherness, I think it would be wise 
if as individual hearers of the word today, if we would allow and invite the Holy Spirit to search us to see if there would be anything in our thinking, our speech, our behaviors that doesn't contribute to Christian togetherness at Calvary Bible Church. Because really the composite of our Christian togetherness is the aggregate of all of our individual parts in Christian togetherness. We all have a role to play, a contribution to make in a positive way that we would be together as believers as Calvary Bible Church. I think that another preliminary remark here is that any honest observer of himself or any honest observer of herself would be realistic when they would say that basically we tend to be self-centered. It's part of our depravity. And after our conversions, many things change, but one thing that can remain as a vestige of our flesh is that we remain to be self-centered. And it's something that the Holy Spirit, I know in my own life, is chipping away from Rob Elliott when there's self-centeredness in me. And maybe you can relate in your lives as well. Now, on this topic of Christian togetherness, there's a little Irish ditty which tells it, I think, often as it is, to live above with the saints I love, oh, wouldn't that be glory? But to live below with the saints I know, that's another story. (laughs) So let me clarify, as we're talking about what the text in 1 Peter talks about this morning on Christian togetherness, we are talking about Christians who are truly Christians, Born-again believers in Jesus Christ, regenerate people together, being together in the church and outside the church. What we are not talking about is persons who are truly born again trying to be together with people who are only Christian in name. You are aware that in Nassau, as well as every other quarter of the world, there are persons who identify themselves as being Christians who are not. They are nominal. They are not true believers. We pray that they would become such. But this message and this call from Scripture this morning is not enjoining us to try to have some kind of Christian togetherness with people who are only Christian in name but not in reality. This message is calling the truly redeemed, the genuinely born again, to work toward living in harmony with each other in Christian togetherness. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it really tells us plainly that we can't hope to have genuine togetherness with someone who isn't saved yet. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so just to say it again, the principles we're going to share this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1 are principles to promote and to give a rationale and a basis and a motivation for Christian togetherness between truly two Christian persons. 
The passage itself is 1 Peter 1, 22 through into chapter 2, verse 10. The passage itself is lengthy, and it gives us six rationales for Christian togetherness, but we're going to have two parts to this message, and we're only going to look at the first three bases for Christian togetherness, but I'm going to read you the whole passage. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." I want to give credit where credit's due for the outline of our message this morning. Warren Wearsby has helped me with the outline this morning. And before we get to the three bases for Christian togetherness, I want to just point out something that we dare not miss. We who know Christ as Savior, Lord and Savior, we are children in the same family. The family of God worldwide is the church. Calvary Bible is an expression, a localized expression in Nassau, Bahamas, of the greater church. But we who form the greater church globally, worldwide, born again, boys and girls, men and women, we form the same family. We share the same heavenly father. And that's what makes us brothers and sisters. And like any human family's unity, 
the unity within the family of God must be built. It must be maintained. And like any earthly family's unity is not automatic, instead it has to be achieved. Unity within the family of God also is not automatic, it has to be achieved. And like any human family's unity is rather fragile and must be guarded, the unity of the family of God is also somewhat fragile and must be carefully guarded. And so to say it again, if we are saved, we are children within the same family of God, and that family of God is in multiple countries around the world this morning. That being said, 1 Peter 1, 22 and following, gives us three biblical basis upon which we should promote, preserve, conserve Christian togetherness. You ready? The first rationale is we express the same love. We express the same love, and so we ought to promote Christian togetherness in that love that we express to each other. Verse 22, 1 Peter 1. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. What kind of love are we to express fervently? There's two different Greek words at work in this one verse. The phrase, a sincere love, that's phileo love, a sincere phileo love for the brethren. And later in the verse, a fervent agape love for one another from the heart. And so the kind of love that we are to express to each other is the same kind of love, and it has two flavors. A phileo, brotherly love, sisterly love flavor, and an agape love, sacrificing to meet the other person's need, unconditional love. And both kinds of love are necessary. Within our assembly, we are to express phileo love because we have a family likeness and we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we have a little video clip? It's something that I came across that reminds me of how it was when I was uh, the eldest son in our family and I had two younger sisters and I might have squabbled with my younger sisters, but I'll tell you what, anybody squabbled with one of my sisters and they had to deal with me. Do we have that clip? The little sister was wrestling, and her brother thought she was getting taken advantage of, and he burst out of the crowd to rescue his sister. That's phileo love. And we're to have that in our assembly. We're to look out for each other. We're to give our business to brothers or sisters in Christ who have businesses that we need their services. We're to give business to each other in the assembly. Somebody runs down, somebody in the assembly without them being present, you defend that brother or sister. See, that's not right to talk about my brother or sister to me. If you've got a problem, speak to them. We're to have phileo 
love within our church family because we bear a family likeness to the heavenly father who is our heavenly father and we are brothers and we are sisters in Christ. But we're also to have agape love that we're to express within the church. I think of a man in our second church, Canadian church. He was a contractor. He built houses. And there was a a lady, a sister in Christ in our church who had a backslidden Christian husband who also was a building contractor, and he wouldn't build his own house for his family. He wouldn't do it. And so what happened was the Christian contractor, one of the elders of our church, asked him, the man, can I assist with your building on my time? You buy the, you buy the, the construction materials and I'll do it. And the man let him without helping the elder. That's agape love. The builder who was concerned for the mother of several children and the children who were living in an unfinished part of the house, even in the winter, he went and sacrificed his time and efforts to finish off the house that the husband should have done. He was a builder too. He knew how to build a house. And so the first foundation upon which we should have Christian togetherness at Calvary Bible Church is that we express the same love, but there's a second basis in this paragraph, and it's this, we have experienced the same birth. If we are saved, then we have all experienced the same rebirth. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus. The only way you become a Christian is you have a second birth, right? And if all, we are all born again believers, then we all have had a second birth experience. And the sharing of that second birth experience should be a wonderful motivation, impetus, push for us to have Christian togetherness. We share a second birth experience. Now, the verses on this are 23 through 25 of 1 Peter 1. For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away, off, excuse me, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which was preached to you. Oh, yes, if we are born again, and the majority here this morning, I believe, are, we've all the shared experience of having a second birth. For some of us, it was when we were very young. For others, it was when we were adults. For some of us, it was when our life was peaceful and easy. For others, our second birth was when we were in turmoil and crisis. But we've shared the same second birth if we're saved. And this verse, these verses rather, talk about this being born first again, being born of imperishable seed, being born through the living and abiding word of God. That's what we share if we're saved. That's what we have in common if we're saved. We were born again. We have a same second birth of an imperishable seed through the living and the abiding word of God. Now, this birth, which is a second birth, which we share in common and should be a motivation for us to have Christian togetherness, is a birth that is spiritual, that is, it's being born again. 
It's a birth that is enduring, that is, it's based on an imperishable seed. It's a birth that is scriptural, that is, it's according to the living and the abiding word of God. And last, it's a second shared birth that is preached. We got saved because somebody preached, and it didn't have to be a preacher or a pastor. It might have been your Sunday school teacher, your Awana leader, the person at your workplace that knew Jesus Christ as Savior before you ever did and talked about him over lunches with you. But this second birth experience that we share as born-again believers is spiritual. It's a born-again experience. It's enduring. It's an imperishable seed experience. It's scriptural. It's based on the living and abiding word of God. And it's a preached birth because the word was preached to us. You know, woe is the church that makes the mistake of trying to build its unity on first births. The church that tries to build its unity between its members based on their respective first births will never be a unified church. Because some were born into wealth, and some were born into poverty, and some were born into one race, and others were born into another race, and some were born loved, and sad to say, some were born unloved, And so if a church tries to build its unity based on all of our collective experiences in first birth, there can be no unity. But on the other hand, if a church tries to build unity on the basis of our shared second births, we'll always have unity because the ground is level at the foot of the cross, whether you're wealthy or poor, whether you're one race or another race, whether you were born into a loving family or you were born into an unloving family, we share a second birth. And when we magnify the second birth that we share, we can have Christian togetherness. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And when you just step back from the New Testament and you start looking at what kind of person comprised the baby church in the book of Acts and following, It shows you that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and unity and togetherness in that baby-fledging church was based on second birth shared experience, not first birth. I mean, when you look at the whole of the New Testament, you see that that first fledging baby church was made up of soldiers and civil servants, blue-collar laborers and doctors and lawyers, businessmen and businesswomen, the wealthy and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, tradesmen and foreign diplomats, the jailed and the free, the persecuted and former persecutors, former thieves, former prostitutes, former swindlers, former drunks, former murderers, all these in the New Testament formed the church of Jesus Christ that was unified in togetherness based on the sharing of second birth. The New Testament church was made up of pastors and parishioners, former political activists, former blasphemers, former homosexuals, former idolaters, former adulterers, former abusers. 
It was made up of the well-known and the obscure, the sick and the strong, the foolish and the smart, the refined, the base, slaves and slave masters. The first church was made up of the elderly and of children, the married, the single, the widower, and the widow. The first church of Jesus Christ was made up of men and women, Jews and Gentiles. And so when that church, or when any church of any age, bases its unity on second birth, there will be unity, even in diversity. And when a church lives out its unity based on second birth, then the believers within that church will truly love each other. To say it again, the ground is level at the foot of Jesus' cross. And there at the foot of Jesus' cross, all those who share a common experience of second birth, that's where we meet. That's where we love. And the Lord Jesus says that it's the love between us. That's the undeniable DNA proof that we are authentic and real Christ followers. Our Jesus commanded in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That was Jesus' command. The following verse gives our Lord Jesus' evaluation. In John 3, 13 and 35, Jesus evaluated things in this way. By this, love, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One of the quickest ways for someone outside of our church family to come to a conclusion that we're a bunch of hypocrites is for them to look at how we deal with each other and see a lack of love. And they would say they're no different than the dog-eat-dog world outside of their church. But the flip side of that is the quickest way for that observer of us as a church family from the outside for them to believe we're the real thing. (laughs) That we live out what we preach. That we follow Jesus. As if when they look into our relationships as believers in Calvary Bible Church Assembly and they say, man, they really love each other. I haven't seen love like that in my workplace or my neighborhood or my civic club. Man, they really love each other. I just wonder, I was thinking about this this morning. If it were to become a crime in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas for Christians to love each other, I wonder if the police that were enforcing this ban on Christian loving were to come to our church on any Sunday, if there would be evidence to convict us of that crime of loving each other. That's something for me to think about and 
for you too. Well, we've seen two bases for Christian togetherness so far. We have seen that we express the same love. Second, we have seen that we have experienced the same birth. And now our third point, last point for this message at least, is that we ought to have Christian togetherness because we enjoy the same nourishment. We enjoy the same nourishment. The first three verses of chapter 2, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And so the same nourishment that we share is the pure milk of the word, according to verse 2, which I read. And this milk of the word is spiritually nourishing. If you feel malnourished in your Christian spiritual life, maybe it's because you aren't eating enough of the Bible between Sundays. And this pure milk of the word has a flavor, according to the first part of verse 3. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. I don't know about you, but so often in my personal quiet times in God's word, and I read the verses, and I think about the verses, and I pray about the verses, I'm overwhelmed by the kindness of God toward me and my family, overwhelmed by the kindness of the Lord because the pure milk of the word tastes like the kindness of the Lord. And this wonderful pure milk of the word, which is our shared nourishment, it has spiritual nourishing power. It tastes like the kindness of the Lord. And according to verse one I just read, it overpowers, it overrules malice and guile and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Want to be done with hatred in your life and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander? Then taste and see that the Lord is good from his word, the pure milk of the word. Taste the kindness of the Lord. It'll sweeten you, nourish you, change you. Now, when we talk about enjoying the same nourishment as being a rationale for having good Christian togetherness, I think about how hard it was for me and my family of origin if I was fighting with my sister before supper that we came together as a family and ate dinner. It just somehow was hard to be angry at my sister while we were at the same table eating the same meal. Has it ever occurred to you that the Lord gave us the ordinance of the Lord's Supper that we observe monthly the first Sunday of each month? so that we would find it equally difficult to come to the same Lord's Supper with other brothers and sisters in Christ and have a grudge against somebody. To partake and to eat and to drink of the memorial emblems at the Lord's Supper and to somehow still have something against someone in the family. That's supposed to be hard and it's supposed to be convicting. It's supposed to bring about repentance and change and confession. Oh, yes, 
we can and should have Christian togetherness because we enjoy the same nourishment. And so we've seen three bases for Christian togetherness in our time in the text today. We've seen that we express the same love, both phileo and agape love. We've seen that we experience the same birth, the second birth. We've seen that we enjoy the same nourishment, the pure milk of God's word. Now, I just want to close to encourage you. I asked you to individually and to quietly assess if it were to become a crime in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas to, for Christians to demonstrate outwardly love for each other and the police were to come into our service, any given service, would there be enough evidence that we actually do love one another that they would prosecute us and jail us? Let me end that I would say that we're not a perfect church, but I believe there is love between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm encouraged by that. I want to see the Lord cause me to be a better loving brother to all of you. And I think that should be all of our prayers. Have we arrived? No, we haven't arrived. Can we do better? Yes, we can do better. But it would be remiss of me not to point out to God's glory the ways I do see us loving each other. And I do think if it were to become illegal to love each other as Christians in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, that if they walked in this morning, there would be evidence that we are fit for jail under that charge. What examples, Pastor? For years and years, over 30, I believe, every Wednesday, across the parking lot in that little building, Operation Inasmuch distributes groceries to needy people. Since it began, over 85,000 bags of groceries. Or, I've been involved with situations where members of our church have been with me and I with them, and we've gone to visit one of our church family members in the hospital And the nurses have said to us, I can't believe how many visitors he's getting. Where are you all from? Calvary Bible Church, he's our brother. And we love him. Or I think of Vacation Bible School, where we have teams of workers and leaders that sometimes span three generations. You've got a grandchild serving with a grandparent at the same VBS and a parent sandwiched between the two. That's beautiful. Or I think of the construction of this building. I know some of it. I don't know a lot of it. I'd like to know more of it. If you would like to share with me over a Coke sometime, I'm all ears to what God did through the faithful, hardworking, sacrificial men and women of this church to build this church. That's loving each other. And those church building builders looked beyond their own families of the immediate in 1960s to what would be down the road. That's us. That's beautiful. Or I think of our choir members. Do you know that our choir members periodically visit the shut-in of our church family to remind them they're not forgotten, 
to read the word with them and to pray. It's beautiful. I think of the troubled youth that I have seen since I have been here, the different troubled youth that have been taken under the wing of a more mature brother or sister because of a poor home situation, perhaps. Or I think of the home repairs that are cheerfully and competently done by our faithful men, the 6.30 a.m. men's Bible study for widows, normal house repairs. That's love. Or I think about the work teams, men and, and some women, who put up and take down the hurricane shutters on our buildings. That's good. Or I think about the former Awana and now the cross trainer leaders loving each other as leaders each Tuesday night and loving what were Awana clubbers and are now cross trainer racers. When you come out on a Tuesday and you see these adults and teenagers loving these children, that's what it's all about. Or I think of the benevolent fund monies that you give and I give being placed carefully into the hands of funeral directors to help pay for funerals of our people or put in the hands of pharmacists to help supply the prescribed medications for a person in our assembly who can't afford them or the monies from the benevolence fund that are placed carefully into the hands of landlords to keep roofs over the heads of our precious church family members that are on hard times. Or I think of the Boxing Day meal again, a great success this past month, to love our neighbors. I think of the brotherly and the sisterly hugs you see all around the campus after services and at other times. Pure, wholesome affection as brothers and sisters. I'm told that the Calvary Bible Church men's softball teams were pretty good too. Then the annual men's and women's retreats. I could go on a lot longer. Have we arrived when it comes to Christian togetherness? I don't think so. Is Christian togetherness amongst us now? Praise God, I'd say it is. And now we have, biblically, three good reasons to persist in that togetherness. We express the same love, we experience the same birth, and we enjoy the same nourishment. May we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior in these ways. Because when we walk together in hope and holiness, we ought to walk together in harmony too. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this time in your word that you could bring a togetherness amongst us, between us, that would be so unlikely except of your grace and your cross and the Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that our love for each other would grow and that we would serve each other with that love, that we would listen to each other with that love, 
that we would pray for each other with that love, that we would serve shoulder to shoulder with each other because of that love. These things we pray, ever grateful for your word, the true milk of the word that sustains us spiritually. Thank you for the word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.